All right, so this is the Montana Gallery Podcast, and I'm here in Josh Clare's studio, just kicked back in a nice rolly chair here, enjoying the nice north light on Josh's face. It's so pretty. So pretty. My face. I mean, the north light's good, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Josh and I have been uh, kind of <clears throat> filming inside the, the studio, getting a studio tour He's building a new studio, and, and then we went through and looked through a lot of his paintings that he's got stacked up here, and he's kind enough to give a few to the gallery to have for the five-year show. How you been lately, Josh? Good. Things been going well. It's it's been stressful. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, tell tell us a little bit uh, of what you've been up to. Uh, in it was probably October ish that we demolished an old like a hundred year old chicken coop shed type thing that's off to the south of my house and started excavation for the studio so it's and we've been building through the winter and there's just been a lot of things a lot of things that aren't painting and that always kind of hurts my soul so but you know it's we're so grateful for the studio and so excited that it's happening that you know, that you can't, I don't think you can expect to have really beautiful things in life without tasting some of the the bitter. You don't know the sweet until you've tasted the bitter, so mm. there's been a lot of bitter with the studio, so I'm anticipating a lot of sweet. Tell us, can, can you quickly tell us a little bit of, like, one of the, the stories of the hardships <laughs> of making, getting the studio to where it is now? <laughs> They, it'd be hard to tell it quickly. Yeah. So I could just tell you that it's been very, <laughs> I I told someone recently that um, they said, well, have you been doing anything on your studio? I said, no, I've hired it all out except for the very worst things. Like the, the things that are so crappy that nobody, like nobody in their right mind would do it. You can't hire someone. There's not... Like, there's not a tab in the yellow pages that you're all, the crappy jobs guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, say, I have a really bad one I've got for you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's just no option but yeah, for me to get out there and do it. So earlier today, on the stu- when he was showing me around the studio, he was describing how he was digging up like eight inches of thawed, or of, of frozen <laughs> earth. <laughs> out of the basement I had to hand dig spot footings in my basement because they were not dug properly and then I had to yeah the, it. I let the frost get into it and so in order to pour the basement so that we could frame through the winter I had to dig out frost and heave it over the heave it over the walls and anyway so there was a lot of that and then the garage was way over dug like eight dump trucks full of gravel way over Doug and so that was me putting in really nasty gravel and compacting it with a um with one of those jackhammer a hammer compactor just good times I've had some good times and but it's yeah I did it they were it was hard and it was no fun but I did it and it's done and I think it's done well yeah and yeah, so for you being a painter is a lot more than just creating beautiful pictures it's been 
I, uh, the past couple months, it's been making a space to create pictures and it's just taken, it's taken a lot of time. So I've been juggling a lot of different things, trying to balance a lot of different important things. Yeah. Cause family, my family is marvelous, but it's a very busy time of life with four little kids and a lot going on and uh, church takes a lot of time and, and painting and building the studio. Yeah. Those are my things. Let's get to the painting, uh, painting part of your story these days. What what are you working on? Uh, I know that you've got a one man show coming up here soon. Can you tell us yeah. more about that? <clears throat> so my my gallery in Jackson will host a show for me every. We do it every other year. Uh, this year we're going to combine and do it with an artist named Joseph Alleman. A, he mostly is a watercolor, but he's been doing a lot of oils recently. Mm-hmm. Really cool guy. He actually lives here in Cache Valley. He taught me a lot about... He taught me how to frame, actually. Oh, cool. Just really generous with his time and really cool, cool guy. So, Joel Allman and I have a show. It's the end of July. It'll be at Astoria Fine Art in Jackson. And... I've just, you know, I've been painting my way up to it. It's been good. Um, I typically get the most done, though, the last... I, I anticipate most of the show to come out of me the next month and a half. Okay. That's usually how it works, <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. So hopefully a lot of goodness comes out of this little studio in the next little bit for that show. Okay, I, yeah, I talk quiet. That's good, a little bit. Right. That's totally fine. Okay, so that you got the show in July, and then I've heard rumors that you might be going overseas in the fall. Yeah, it's going to be quite the year. <laughs> I hope to finish my studio by August when I'll take a trip to Russia to see my heroes. Yeah. To take the trip of all trips to just spend massive amounts of time in those museums. Yeah. And just eat up those works. Oh man, try to make them a part of me in a week and a half or whatever. Yeah, so Levitan. excited for that. Levitan, Reppin, Abram Markopov. Oh yeah, might even be numero uno for me. Really, I just love. He's only done. I've only seen maybe six or seven pieces from him, and not all are my very favorite. But there's the one of the like the old ladies on the ship. Okay. It's always old ladies. He's okay. gotten it's like the same model maybe even. They're sitting around a little white house in one in a dirt fields, little clumps of people. And then there's the old ladies on the ship. Um anyway, he's just got a, a couple pieces that I'm super excited to see. But Ilya Repin for sure. Mm-hmm. And Levitin for sure. And all the rest of them. Man, there's some Vasily Polnov and uh Ivan Shishkin, I can't wait to see those in person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What is it about their work that you're attracted to? Yeah, it's for me of any any art movement um, in our history, basically in the history of mankind. I resonate more with the the Russian itinerants, the Russian impressionists, than I do with any other movement or group. And there is a real sense of honesty in their work and a real excitement about life and what they're doing and a fidelity to nature 
even with their very expressive brush strokes and um, their impressionistic style, there's really, really just accurate, truthful color and values. Mm -hmm. And I think the honesty of their work comes from this. There's this feeling in their work that they they weren't trying to impress. It's not like a. They weren't even trying to lay heavy paint on because they knew people would like heavy paint. Mm. Um, they just. I've heard that they did that because they had poor brushes <laughs> and they had a lot of paint. Mm -hmm. And that was the way to help to make a poor brush, a, a really bad brush work, is mm -hmm. to just lay it on thick. That's why I use China bristle brushes, maybe. It just works that way. Um, but there's, there's a feeling in their work that they were just so, so excited with the beauty that they were surrounded with, so um, uplifted and inspired by it. And then they just got outside and they painted it from life and they just go and go and go until it was right. Yeah. You know, there's this multi-layered just, I'm just going to do whatever it takes till it's rightness yeah. about their work. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just love, I really, really love it. And I'm so excited to see originals. So that's going to happen in the fall and then possibly going back to China as well. Yeah. Um, I know like over the last day or so that I've been hanging out with you and with Alvin Veselka both of you have mentioned at different times um, the the importance of uh, value shaped patterns um, can mm. you talk about that a little bit yeah um, I I guess I'll go on record as just saying that I, I think that's one of our biggest weaknesses, contemporary artists. The strongest among us are thinking in terms of the whole picture and the way all the shapes work together. But there's many of us who are very talented painters, really nice renderers, who don't think in terms of the picture itself. They just think in terms of parts. Mm -hmm. They paint the parts really nicely and they put the parts in nice places but they're not composing a picture with big, strong, simple shapes. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's it. That picture-making is about com composing big, strong, simple shapes. And if you do that and you do it well, you make beautiful things. And um, I love Harvey Dunn to death, and um, one reason I love him so much is because he... Um, because of his weaknesses, honestly. He wasn't the best yeah. draftsman. He wasn't. Like some of those heads and hands are all, ooh, yeah. ouch, yeah. ouch. That's not very nice. And sometimes his color even yeah. is just kind of gritty and raw. Mm -hmm. Almost, and sometimes it's just downright unappealing. Right. <laughs> but the shapes are big and strong and beautiful. Yeah. So the paintings read and they work. Yeah. And I love that. It teaches me over and over, like Josh, you know, flashy technique or. All of that can be nice if it's on top of a good, a well-composed piece. Yeah, yeah. It can be a bonus, it can be nice, but it's just totally unnecessary. Mm -hmm. In fact, you can let things like that uh, fall right through the floor and be downright bad if you have a really strong arrangement of shapes. And when I, I use that word strong tonal arrangement a lot, but I just mean a couple areas, a couple, like two or three. Yeah. Areas of dark and light. Right. Um, and you can go as far as like a light, a medium, and a dark. Three 
three areas of value that are that are visually or actually connected um, and that are just arranged nicely. That's mm-hmm. it. A big, medium, small mm-hmm. type thing. And it's when we start to get spotty, when we just tackle too much and we don't group our shapes or our values that we start to get real nasty. Mm-hmm. Things that are very unpleasant to look at as a whole. Yeah. Even if the parts are exquisitely rendered. Mm-hmm. As a whole, it's um, it's unnerving and it's unsettling and it's yucky. Oof. Who are some of the artists that that uh, you feel are are really nailing that that idea these days? Contemporary guys. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the the excitement around what Alex Konevsky has been doing, and he's I feel like he's the one who you know Jeremy Mann is part of the Konevsky school to me. Okay. As, as well as, you know, 15 other artists that are doing this smudgy, uh, this thing, you know, working with a squeegee. Oh, okay. Do you know what I mean? When it's painted thinly mm-hmm. and things are pushed out and okay. I could name 10 or 15 of them right now that do that. Yeah. It's very nice and it's very appealing, but I think uh, Konevsky was the head, or as far as I know. He's the first one that I saw doing that sort of thing. And the reason his pictures are working so well is because he's thinking in terms of tone arrangement. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like, I like his designs. Okay. And I like Jeremy Mann's designs too. And um, closer to home, closer to people who paint like me in the Western art world, um, uh, Glenn Dean. Can't get enough of that guy's stuff because they're big and they're strong. Yeah, I agree. Um, Logan Hajiz is doing some big, simple... Yeah clean arrangements as well yeah um who else am I loving there's <laughs> Tim, Tim Lawson has oh, always yeah. been a killer designer mm-hmm. killer arrangements of shape mm-hmm. and a lot more he's putting a, he's putting um a lot of complexity into his pieces but they're still really simply beautifully arranged yeah Grant Redden mm-hmm. killer designer mm-hmm. um I think, well, Len Schmiel is a really good designer too, so is, um, you know, Bill Anton, I, I love the way Bill handles paint, and he puts a lot into his paintings, but or a lot of rendering and a lot of interest, detail, um, but often he gets, he gets really nice, strong shapes as well, mm-hmm. and, and George Carlson, oh yeah, when he, yeah, a couple of his pieces are just iconic. Anyway, so there's a handful of them. Mm-hmm. There's more. I don't want to leave anybody. I don't want to make anyone <laughs> feel bad or anything. But you're you're all good artists out there, and I love you. <laughs> you were telling me last night a little bit about I think a book that maybe Alvin had recommended to you and and ideas of uh, starting and stopping yeah, um, yeah. And, and how we get to kind of choose to well actually I don't want to say it I want you to sure so I listened to a book called High Performance Habits and I I recommend that you read it <laughs> I do have to say that <laughs> me personally uh, no no just people if you're gonna if but you're going to read me. read High Performance Habits if you're going to digest what's in the book called High Performance Habits. Yeah. Do it by reading it. 
I, oh, I do I not recommend the Audible version. <laughs> anyway, so I'll say that, but I did listen to it, and there was a lot of really great points in it, but one, I think the thing that stuck with me the most, that I appreciated the most, and it's probably because of this insane period in my life, and I know that it's probably just going to get more busy, because that's what's happened so far. So if I have the past to go on, I know that it's just going to get more complex somehow. I don't know how. Like, looking at it right now, I don't think it's possible for it to get more complex. But I think it will as the kids get older in high school and more stuff happens. So, that's possibly why this resonated with me so much because there's so many plates that I'm trying to keep spinning and keep in the air so much that I'm juggling. He mentioned just this idea of using a change in what you're doing and there are many throughout the day like when you wake up and start your day and when you you know there's eat breakfast time and there's exercise time and there's study time and there's anyway there's all these our our day is made up a whole bunch of little parts there's drive for most people there's a drive to work commute time there's a they have meetings that are separate from when they're in their cubicle doing their thing or whatever. So we have all these little bits and pieces that our day is composed of. And rather than treating the day as a whole, one unit, so that if one of those little components or pieces gets um, thrown off, as it almost always does, like daily there'll be something that goes wrong with Mm -hmm. one of those pieces. You'll get in heavy traffic or you'll do a bad painting to start the day off or you'll forget to exercise or breakfast you know, whatever, something will happen. So rather than letting all of those little bits of your day be affected by that, those things that go wrong, um, using every change, every time that you switch activities, every shift into a new thing as a, a, a chance to restart completely. So a reboot moment where you shut down completely mm-hmm. and you go back and you, you take time first to acknowledge I'm starting a new thing. So you say, for me, a big one is it's six o'clock, Cambry, my wife whistles from the kitchen. We have this little time for uh-huh. That means it's time for dinner. Uh-huh. And, or in fact, Anna and usually all of a sudden comes you in. You become hungry. Yeah. You didn't even know it. <laughs> Your mouth, yeah, it's Pavlov's thing. Your mouth <laughs> yeah. starts to water. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> usually Anna comes in. My door crashes open because she doesn't know how to open it. Oh, quietly. There's like this. And I turn around and I'm all. And Anna comes running in. So you go, Dad, it's time for dinner. So that's usually how it happens. But when I make that shift of, okay, now I'm done being an artist right now. It's time to go be a husband and a father and have dinner with my family. A lot of times, my, my natural response to that is to just keep thinking about painting and to take a long time to clean up and to go in distracted. And in another world and thinking about how bad my painting's going or just whatever's happening in here. Um, But what I learned from that book and what I'm trying to do and what I think can make the difference between um, being driven by life and being a little bit more in control Mm -hmm. is taking two minutes, 120 seconds, Mm -hmm. and stopping everything and trying to go into a place... Um, mentally where it's quiet and then just reassess like what is you have to have clearly defined goals to a really clean simple mission statement Mm. and you go back 
into that place and you stop everything and you say, Josh, you're, you're going to go eat dinner with your family right now. Nothing on this planet is more important to you than your family. You're being a good husband and being a good father and loving and caring for your family is everything. If you do that, you win. If you don't do that, you lose. What kind of... <laughs> period. Yeah. No matter what other successes, no matter what else. If I do that, I win. If I don't, I lose. What kind of dad do I want to be? What kind of... How does the perfect Josh act right now as he goes into dinner with his family? What kind of mood am I in? What kind of questions do I ask? How's it look to be my ideal me? Two minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you start again and fresh and you take control of just this moment, this chunk that you have. And doing that, not just that time, but I mean, when dinner's done, it's time to clean up dinner. That could even be another, like, how does the perfect Josh handle cleanup? Here it goes. <laughs> you know, or bedtime, bedtime. How does the perfect Josh do? Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was brilliant. It's a super simple thought. It took me 20 minutes to explain it just now, but it's very simple. <laughs> um, anyway, that's my favorite from that book. Yeah. And do you feel like you've been able to... It's, it's to helped a lot. It. Yeah. It's helped just... Just mentally, the stress of trying to think about all that I've got to do. If I yeah. go to that place, if I even pause to consider the studio right now, oh, man, it makes me want to ball my eyes out. I just want to sit down and give up, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's part of why I think it's so helpful for this time of life where there's so much going on is I can try to just take it just little tiny chunk by little tiny chunk, one step at a time. And do each part good. Do what I'm doing right now the best that I can. And then believe that it'll take, if I approach it that way, that it'll all take care of, I'll be able to take care of everything I need to. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more in that book, though. A lot, of little, a lot of little tasties. Doing things, a lot of it is things that I already know and it was good to be reminded of. Oh, uh, yeah. Motives. I think we've talked, I've talked about that a lot. Yeah. Uh, the reason why you do things. Yeah. Um, makes all the difference, you know, makes a difference between a really, really, truly powerful and good piece of art and a so-so piece of art. Um, and that you do your best when you're doing things for someone besides yourself. Mm. You create the most beautiful, meaningful, um, truly good things, truly powerful things when you when your motive is to is for someone else and it doesn't necessarily it doesn't even have to be for the person who's going to hang the painting on their wall for me it can even be just for my family mm -hmm. um it's just for someone besides me yeah because if i'm in a place of um trying to appear awesome or worrying about what people will think of me um or trying to win the award or be the bestest mm -hmm. anyway that's it's a place that really kind of dooms the work to mediocrity, if not failure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, that was part of the book too. Just a reminder of having a clear idea of, of what, you, what you truly want out of life um, and a reason for why you want it and just reminding yourself of those things frequently. Yeah, coming back to the why. Mm -hmm. I haven't read that book, Start With Why, yet, but... Oh, I haven't read that. Either. I feel like the title's kind of says it's good enough. Yeah, it makes sense. I like oh, yeah. that. I haven't heard of that so, one. 
Yeah, that guy's pretty popular these days. Uh, Simon Simon Sinek is the guy who wrote it. And hmm. He also wrote Leaders Eat Last. Hmm. He's he's got a knack for distilling the idea down and putting in a it single into, title. Into title. <laughs> <laughs> huh? It's like, oh yeah. Sheesh! Uh, I get it. I feel like I've read it. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Start with why? Wow. Have you had any like aha? moments in your work these days any recently hmm that that is a really really good question aha moments in my work do you know i had one with this cow painting makes me think of a moment recently okay so this fall i had one where the jackson hole quick draw this is actually a good story i'm glad okay. to remember perfect. this just because well, i want I'm to gonna, remember it myself cool i'm gonna Get ready for it. Okay, there we go. <laughs> okay. I feel like I need to change position uh, better. Um, leaned in. My posture is that of attentive. Of attentive a learner. Excited. We've got a learner here. Uh, the Jackson Hole Fall Arts Festival includes a quick draw that I've participated in for maybe the past five, six years. And it's the typical plein air quick draw thing where there's 30 artists and you've got an hour and a half go as fast as you can and there's an auction afterwards there's this humiliating moment <laughs> where you get up and you hold your painting in front of you mm. and you watch these people as they bid for your piece it is it's bad if you want just pure nightmare that's pure nightmare and you go you have to talk about it this is my painting they, they have you talk about they it have to you the talk audience. about it to the audience Ooh. and then the auctioneer starts out four gold for five, 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 and you're standing there staring at the it's horrible it's horrible they're like who will give me five hundred dollars five hundred anybody it's like a 24 by 30 painting just radio silence nobody <laughs> anyway it's that sort of situation so that's the fall arts quick draw and every year I wait until uh, I don't know what I'm going to paint and I don't know what I'm going to paint and I don't practice for it I just kind of I'll go through my photos and maybe pick a couple that might work and I throw them on my iPad and I show up that morning mm-hmm. it's usually freezing cold and I get all set up um, and then I go through my iPad and I'm like hmm which one should I paint today you know that's typically the, the situation um, but there's always this certain amount of there's a lot of anxiety of I never feel more pressure to make something that people are going to like than in that moment. I'm all, it's going to sell. What do people like? Uh, How do I impress them? What's going to be good right now? And so two years ago, I I went bigger. I did like 24 by 30, maybe even a bigger piece. It was a big, huge piece for an hour and a half. You have to move really fast to even get it covered. And I did this barn and most of my, like my motives, the way, the, the place that I was at for that hour and a half was this sort of anxious, I've got to finish this so that people will like it. And, um, and also this sense of unless, until I cover it edge to edge, you know, until I finish every little bit of this thing, it's not, you know, it won't be done because there's rules about doneness, right? And I'm just worried about the man the whole time I'm thinking (laughs) and it ends and it goes up and it like you know maybe barely made it to retail or maybe it it might have even been lower than retail it's just a really depressing (laughs) I just felt nasty about myself this last year 
is the aha moment. I'm getting there, and I'm sorry that no, I, I'm, I am a long no, storyteller. It's great. It's great. <laughs> so this this fall, I I had started. I've been starting this thing that I'll just paint heads of cows <laughs> mm-hmm. and paint them from weird angles and just enjoy the the neat the weird, shapes. The weirdness of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The fun shapes to paint and and the yeah. unique designs that you can get with just a cow head. So I had all these pictures again saved on my computer ready to go and that morning I just had sort of this um I thought you know what I'm going to go 1216 that that's a much more manageable I can cover that in an hour and a half no problem I'm going to paint this cow head <laughs> and I'm just going to the thing I do with cow heads too is that I'm not I mean I I try to be I try to get a nice drawing and I try to get true color in the actual cow itself. And then I treat the rest like an abstract where I'm just playing with shapes and texture and color and just kind of messing around mm-hmm. until it's at a place. There's not a right and there's not a wrong and there's not a finished. I just go until I like it. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. I just play around with paint. And that's what I did for the quick dry. I just, I, I painted this little cow head and I really had a nice time and I was relaxed and I wasn't... Yeah there wasn't stress and there wasn't worry and it was me just enjoying myself and and not worrying I didn't worry either about if uh, you know if this thing was going to sell well or or if people would really like it I just had fun making this thing Mm -hmm. Um, the experience was delightful compared to past years right it was really relaxing it was a fun little paint people were coming by and saying they always come by and say nice things because people are generally nice. <laughs> they don't come by and say, what the... Even if they think that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so there's that positive reinforcement too of people going, oh my goodness gracious, that looks like a cow head. You know, that sort of kind positive reinforcement. But it was just this, you know, la 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 hour and a half. Yeah. And then frame it up, and then it sold great. You know, it went for more than retail. Oh, nice! Um, it was just—it was a—it was a delightful experience. And the aha for me, what I came away with is, we make this harder than it is. Mm-hmm. Being an artist, we make it harder than it is, and we do that because we impose rules upon ourselves. Not that society demands it of us. Not that there's like a finished quote unquote finished painting. Um, but we tell ourselves that there is. We tell ourselves it's not acceptable to send it to the gallery until it's at a certain level of completion or until it looks like all the other paintings that are in the gallery. You know what I mean? (laughs) There's just like what everyone does. So we go until it's at where everyone else goes. And that's totally, that's, that's a massive lie. There is no finish. There is no, there's no rules, period. Um... And as a realistic painter, that's hard to admit because I still, I do believe that there are laws that govern what, what beauty is. And there's reasons why a thing is beautiful. And, and there's, um, and I think when you get things truthful, when they're in the right proportion and they're the right color and value that they're at their, it's at the pinnacle of beauty, you know. But there's just, in making a painting, there's no, there is absolutely no rule as to what you have to 
what you must or must not do. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those little limitations that we impose upon ourselves just cause us stress and cause us worry. And in the end, like that stress and worry gets into the painting and people can feel it. Mm-hmm. And it makes it weaker than it could have been. So when you, when you just delight in what you're doing... Um, and when you have fun and when you focus on, like we talked about earlier, like the, the thing is a whole and not just the parts, not just nailing all the little parts, but making the whole composition, a pleasing, nice arrangement of shape and color and value. Um, it's fun for the artist and it's fun for the viewer. And there's a sense of excitement and joy in the piece itself. Mm -hmm. And we just make it harder than it has to be. And so I want, I haven't been able to apply that to everything that I do. And I know that. Yeah. It's still just mostly cow heads yeah. and bunnies <laughs> that I have fun with. You know what I mean? I things like that. that. When I just attack things that I'm not used to doing, yeah. then I'm just like, well, whatever. Right. I'll just have fun with this, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Plus there's no, I mean, I, I can do whatever I feel like with the background. I'll just, you know, do this until I think it's cool. Yeah. But that's a good place to be, and you can feel it in the work. And I'm happier, and the collector's happier, and everybody's happier, and the world's a sweeter place, and i got to do that more, like all the time. I don't want to ever have a piece that I'm doing it because I have to, you know what I mean? Or where I'm finished rendering out or doing some part of it mm-hmm. because it's expected of me. That's not, a, that's not a good place, and that's what I realized at the Fall Arts Festival this fall. Just paint it the way you... Would want it on your wall? Yeah. Maybe frame it the way that you'd want it on your that's wall? That's a big... That's. I'm glad you mentioned that, too. Exactly. So you're going to see some big changes from Josh and framing. Because there's a way I like to frame. All the pieces in my house are framed like that. Sick of pleasing other people. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I'm gonna, you're going to see my stuff in galleries, and you're going to go, so that's the frame Josh likes. And Dude. I'm going to go, there it is. If you want something else, you can frame you're, it yourself. You're a trendsetter. I mean... Yeah. There's not anybody that wouldn't walk in to hear and see the way that you've done everything and not go, oh, yeah, I like, I, that's well done, Yeah, you know, and so. But yeah, go make something cool. Yeah. Have fun and make something beautiful. And I, I say that like it's easy. It's still a ton of work. Like it's still really just this house of cards that you're building and it when it works, mm-hmm. it's this thing that it just resonates with your spirit and you know that it's there. But it takes, I mean, I've been painting for, I've painted so many hundreds and thousands of paintings and spent so many hours doing it and it still doesn't, it, it doesn't get easier, it just gets more natural. It's still a difficult thing to do. Yeah. But just go until it's awesome and try to forget about all these self-imposed rules and regulations that we've, you know, that needs to be or it. We try too hard to be other people. We try too hard to please other people. And and we have a lot of those things. A lot more than we think. Where we're, you know, why are we... Why, why am I painting this bush so carefully? I just feel like I have to. Why do I feel like I have to? I don't know, because everyone else does, you know? Well, then don't. Like, if it's cool already, just yeah. stop, you yeah. know? If you like the overall tonal arrangement, if the color and the design and the value is working, if it's a beautiful piece, yeah. then just stop. Frame the sucker. Yeah. Let someone enjoy it in all of its raw goodness. You know. 
So that's an aha moment. That's your win? That's an aha moment. Uh, I'm gonna probably hit the road here soon, but I, w one thing that I know that I wanted to get from you, if, if you're willing, um, you know, we've talked a lot about story night and kind of what that is, and story night revolves around people telling stories of times when things didn't go quite right. Mm -hmm. uh, times when you wish things would have gone a little differently. Do you have any, any stories? I know you've got the one about the soccer ball, and I really loved that. Do you remember uh, that one? Again? I don't remember it super clearly. Okay. I remember the gist of it. Yeah. Well, I could tell one fail, and I don't know if this will help people. Okay. There's no, there's no, there's not even a moral to the story. Um, but this is a recent. This is, this is like the story of my life. Actually, is I'm constantly on the search for the right surface. To paint on. Yeah, and I'm still searching, and it's so frustrating to say that. It makes me want to bawl my eyes out that I'm saying that because, like this fall. I mean, my goal for a year solid, a year and a half maybe, has been. Find the surface that you paint on and find the brand of paint that you enjoy the most and throw away everything else and have some sense of sameness to what you do so that you can actually master this thing called painting. <laughs> because I'm using 10 different brands of paint and always trying a new surface, meaning a new gesso. For me, I paint on board almost exclusively. And so I'm always gessoing it with something new just to see what happens. So, I mean, Home Depot is the worst place on the planet for me. The paint out, because I'm like, huh, hmm, oh, semi. Like, I wonder what this brand of flat paint would be like to paint on. I wonder what would happen. <laughs> and so then I buy a $20 gallon of paint and I go home and I try it and I'm like, hmm, no, that's not good. But then I can't resist it the next time. You know, the other brand mm -hmm. of the other flat paint. I wonder what would happen if I painted on that. What if I roll it on and then I sand it a little bit? I wonder how it'll react to that or, you know. Or what if I do this really slick, like, Alkyd um, prime underneath and then try a more absorbent oil prime, just a thin layer of absorbent oil on top of it or, you know. Or shellac has been my recent one. I thought, hmm, maybe I should oh, just yeah. go back to shellac. That's uh -huh. a true principle, right? That's been used forever. What's it like to paint on shellac? And do I, I like that as much as the gessos that I've tried? And anyway, it's just been it's just been a massive fail of where every single time that I paint, the board reacts differently and the paint reacts differently and the whole experience is different. <laughs> every time. I swear, it's every time. It's never... <laughs> It's just slightly different, you know, like a little too slippery or a little too absorbent or a little too... The experience. Yeah. So the paint board combo. Yeah. Oh, too slippery today. Or uh, a little too... Yeah, too absorbent. Or it's drying out too fast. Or it's, some of my surfaces will be so absorbent that it's like sucked in immediately and it's mm -hmm. flat instantaneously. Or And I look at people, smart people, like everyone else, other people. Daniel Keyes is probably my favorite yeah. example because he's just got a... He's got his... He's, he's, yeah. He knows, he knows what surface he likes and he knows what paint he likes and he's mm -hmm. used it his mm -hmm. whole career. That's smart. Yeah. That's really smart. Yeah. Way to go, Daniel, because he knows how to... He knows how his materials are going to react. He can anticipate it. Yeah. All the time because it's the same.
Anyway, and I crave that. And he's not chasing some elusive, like... Perfect, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect situation. Yeah. It gets me distracted in a lot of different ways. It gets me thinking too much about the surface itself and how the paint handles now looks. Um, rather than thinking about what we talked about, that Harvey Dunn yeah. tonal arrangement. Like, that's the thing. Like, who cares how it looks? Who cares how it goes on? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Just make a good design. Um, but this obsession with my, of mine of trying to find the perfect surface has been, it's been bad. It's a big, I'd say it's a big fail, maybe the biggest fail of my career. And I'm in the middle of the fail still. <laughs> I'm just right in the middle of it. Just still going, hmm, wonder if I tried. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how it would be if I painted on this. So I'm still there and I am just praying. Actually, you can all pray for me. You who are listening to this right now, say a little prayer in your heart. Heavenly Father, please help Josh <laughs> to stop this insanity and just paint on something. doesn't even matter. Just pick one. <laughs> just make it the same every time. Just yeah. anyway. So there's a little story about a fail. But I'm right in the middle of it still. So I'll <laughs> tell you about it. <laughs> that story reminded me of, uh, Alvin was telling me a little bit about N.C. Wyeth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Have you guys been talking about him and we his... We did, yeah. I just his... read his biography. Okay, and... tell, tell a little bit about that, if you would. Oh, my heavens. Yeah. What a, what a stud. What a complex character, though. It was only a couple nights ago. It was like Tuesday or something. That I... I had I've had this NCY as the biography book. It's a big old thick book on his life. I've had it for a couple of years now. And I bought it. My wife likes biographies. And I thought, hey, maybe she'll like this. She hasn't read it, though. It's chilled in her, on the bedroom bookshelf. And I picked it up the other night and started reading it because I really... There's a lot of things about uh, Wyeth himself and about his work that excite me and that I want to kind of channel and that I'd like to learn from myself and, and incorporate into my me as an artist, make part of what I do. So I picked it up, started reading it, and it was it was engrossing. Such a, I mean, to read about another artist where we know so much about him is very unique. I feel like, because the other books that I'll read on artists I admire are so vague. They're like, well, and in eighteen fifty nine, he painted this, and there's a girl, there's a girl holding a fish. If you look real close, you can see she's got a blue skirt. It's like, dude. This whole flipping book is full of this nonsense. I can see she's holding a fish, dang it. And I don't want to know what you have to say about that fish. I want to know what he was thinking when he painted it. Nothing, not even a titch of it. Like nothing about their thought process or their style or their technique or nothing. And then he painted this. And then his third son was born. You're going, man, a fly, this is the worst. Yeah. And I, uh, that's another fail of mine is I always buy a new art book thinking, mm, this will be, <laughs> there'll be some stuff that I actually want to know in this one. Yeah. Never, never. Maybe if they quote the artist, it's like underlined and highlighted for me. I'm all, oh, something they actually said. Right. That's what they actually thought. Oh my word, this is priceless. Yeah. So there's very few art books where there's what I actually want to know. Yeah. But I think N.C. Wythe is unique in that he just wrote so many letters and we have so much information on him. I don't know why, but we do. Yeah. Um, 
that there's there's just a lot more into the man himself and what he was thinking about and his his emotional state while he painted things and you know what I mean yeah that sort of information and so to read his biography and read some of those details about his life was wild for an artist for me an artist to see all of these feelings that I have you know mm-hmm. in another man's life and see how he was coping with them and how they affected him was just I just kept reading and reading and reading I stayed up way late and yeah. I was skim reading as yeah. fast as I could because I was like mm, what else what else is there yeah. so it was engrossing Alpin mentioned that he he went to some uh, some art show in which he kind of encountered art that was different from the the vein that he was right. the, the lane that he was kind of in yeah. for his art and all of a sudden felt inadequate in comparison to this other other uh, yeah. artworks that he had just seen. So he's part of the Pyle School of Illustration. He's he's studying under Pyle, and he's like his favorite student, and doing really well, and starting to get well known as an illustrator, and doing some cool work. You know, it's not his mature, his best work, but it's good work. And he enters a couple pieces into like the Boston Museum of Fine Art show or something. Two hundred twenty six pieces accepted and um his neither of his pieces are even accepted into the show so it's really kind of a blow to his his confidence and self-esteem and then he goes to the show and he's like i'm i'm a child i'm a babe i know nothing about painting Mm -hmm. this is art and i haven't even come close to making art and he gets obsessed He's a very, very opinionated, very strong, like right wing or left wing, and he swings to both pen, like to both ends of the pendulum. But he's he's not well grounded as far as, you know. This is me reading one biography. Okay. So it's I don't take my, you know, yeah. take it with a grain of salt. But from what I can tell, that's kind of the personality. Is it's hard one way or the other. Yeah. And so he's all in illustration. He has this experience with this show. And he swings all the way to, to going, illustration is the biggest sold out bunch of nonsense. It's not even close to find, to true art. Mm-hmm. I've got to find art. And so he has years of being totally lost where he's doing illustration to survive. But he's like outside painting his guts out. Mm. Uh, landscapes, never satisfied, never good enough. Trying to find my voice, trying to find art, trying to figure it out. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know in this state of questioning, wondering, searching, but also a state of like elitism where he feels that he's better than the other illustrators who feel like, who have solid ideas about what they want. Because mm. um, at least he knows that he, he, that he hasn't reached it. Yeah. That he's way far from true fine art. So he thinks he's better than his peers, but he also feels like he's a bunch of junk and doesn't know what he wants, doesn't know what real art is, and he's searching, 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 and he's massively depressed. (laughs) Anyway, I was like... And that's just a little teeny chunk of his life. It's something he battled with the whole way through. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just thought, oh my goodness, that's such a... I mean, if he was struggling with that back then... I think we struggle with it way more now because we see so much more. Yeah. That was a single show where he saw a bunch of other people doing a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. And it totally rocked his artistic world. Yeah. 
And I think some of those old guys were very blessed in that they had a very narrow view of what people were making. Mm. Like it was an actual, it was a big blessing for them because they just did their thing. Yeah. In their little narrow realm of, you know, their narrow field of vision or whatever, they were able to just concentrate and plow a straight row yeah. and, and make it happen. Whereas we see such a variety of things and there's good things in most all of the things that we see there's good parts to all of it so we're constantly pulled in like well what oh yeah oh oh like shiny objects you know yeah. oh oh and maybe i should maybe that's the true way to paint and oh my word oh that's good maybe that's what true fine art is so interesting to see nc struggle with it and interesting to see just how miserable the man was as he struggled with that battle and how miserable the people around him were. Yeah. He's not, you know, being the best dad, the best husband, the best man, or the best artist, the best anything. Mm -hmm. Like when he's in that questioning mode, he's just kind of a so-so every so-so mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And that's depressing. And it's nice to look at that and see, ooh, that's where you go when you're there, Josh. That's what happens to you too. Yeah. And the super exciting thing about that book, the part that I loved the most is the Treasure Island Commission. For whatever mm. reason, he pulls out of this dark couple of years with the Treasure Island illustrations. They're insane, you know, like the, the big giant, the blind, the blind man, and the yeah, yeah. I think I can't remember the giant in the clouds is one. Maybe that's not Treasure Island. Boy, they're insane. They're so tasty. Such great little illustrations. And he pulled completely out of his depression with these and got back into this mode of just making beautiful pictures. And he was happy and super focused. And he made like 17 enormous, they're 36 by 40 paintings, 17 of them in four months. So he's doing a canvas per week, basically painting like 10 hours a day, paint all day long. Um, He's building his dream house on the hill. So paint all day long and then he'd walk up on the hill and sit in his house and look out the windows and think about how sweet life would be with his family in this place that he loved. And he's just in this really happy, fulfilled place where he's happy, he's treating other people well, um, he's fulfilled in his work, um, and he's making the best stuff that he's capable of making. When he got lost, I feel like he made, and this is just my opinion, but it was like his tempera paintings in towards the very end of his life mm -hmm. when he was back in that searching wondering mode or just like insanely inferior mm. to his treasure island stuff he's making 30 years earlier or whatever yeah um and i think in a large measure it's just because of the place he was in as he illustrated those he was thinking about other people mm -hmm. and not like we mentioned earlier that when you're there's a difference between trying to serve other thinking about other people in a sense of like trying to serve and bless them and thinking about other people in a sense of trying to impress mm -hmm. so the impress when you're in the worried about what other people think I want to impress them that's a really bad place to be when you're in the mode of I want to I'm thinking about other people because I want to serve mm -hmm. And I want them to really love these pieces. And I love this story, Treasure Island, and I want people to feel how awesome it is. That's where he was. Yeah. And to see how everything was right. Yeah. 
with Wyeth in his life. Everything was right when he was in that place and when he was painting to serve other people, um, you know, doing his very best work, work that's just, that has resonated and does resonate and will resonate with millions of people still, you know, still being printed and still being enjoyed. Um, anyway, and just kind of, that was one of the big things with his life was that warning about um, uh, that's my that's a nice little rumbly tummy at the good <laughs> that warning of, of being distracted and being too focused on on yourself and about pleasing other people and about chasing different you know chasing a different god every week yeah. and being enamored with a different style and a different school and a different you know just how a disjointed, fractured life like that, and and when you don't have focus like that, it just leads to um, unhappiness, and you don't really get anything done, and you don't really know what you think about anything, and you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a warning to myself that um, and it's a lot of different aspects. It's me. It's it's me chasing different styles and techniques. That's part of it. It's me chasing different surfaces to find the perfect one. That's part of it. Mm-hmm. It's me chasing a whole bunch of different things. And really what I need to chase is that, first of all, what do I want to say? You know, what? I have this, God's given me a gift. I'm so grateful to be an artist. I have the ability to paint things. And I I have the huge blessing of being able to do it full time. What's an important thing to say? And then putting my whole heart into saying it. And that's when Wyeth was really, that's when he was happy in singing. Because yeah. for whatever reason, Treasure Island was something that mattered to him. And he wanted really desperately to tell that story. And worked his guts out for four months and told it super beautifully. Yeah. So maybe paying attention to, like, what are the things that I really care about? What's the story worth? Worth telling, worth yeah. Because that's what a, that's what a, that's. That's what a painting is. It's a visual communication, and if you're, just trying to sell a thing, mm-hmm. or if you're just trying to be awesome or get a bunch of likes or, be in vogue or whatever, it's it's going to be super super inferior to the guy who really has something meaningful to say, mm-hmm. and it's easy to see in movies. That's, I love that juxtaposition. Um, but there's way, way, way too many movies today that are just created solely to... I love... I, <laughs> the Star Wars Empire to me is the prime example of a bunch of idiots making crap to make in order to make money. Like, that's okay. so depressing. Oh, my word. And it's such... Anyway, such an inferior product in the end oh see when you were saying it i thought you meant like the empire in oh in the yeah. star wars i'm like what are those guys no no i guess I they're mean, making a bunch of crap like all these starships yeah stuff. have you seen the studio c star wars skit no i'll show it to you afterwards okay. it's a bunch of guys sitting around they're making star wars 753 oh. and they're trying to think how they can pull a story out of this sucker again to make some more money it's so good um but that to me is people who are or distracted in that way where they're just um, chasing the wrong God.
but occasionally a movie will come out where the artist or the producer actually has something important to him that he wants to say. Mm-hmm. And he, every decision, like the music and the actors that are chosen and the way they say things and the timing, the flow of the whole thing is designed to say that thing that he intends to say. Yeah. And that's when beautiful things are made. Yeah. And so I've, as a visual artist, that's what I've got to do too is, like you said, what's important to me and what matters and what do I want to say? I've already got, I already know actually what's next for me. I just can't let myself get distracted with all of the static. Mm-hmm. And I've just got to focus on saying that thing that matters and that's important and that's beautiful in the best way that I can. And everything will, all the other stuff will fall into place. I believe that. Yeah. So really cutting some of the noise out of your life. Because if you if you know mm-hmm. that thing, and then, but then I'm like, check out this artist over here. Check out exactly. this. Exactly. You yeah. should really listen to this guy or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you just you've got to just quiet all that noise and not worry about um, not worry about how the thing ought to be done, which is what I'm constantly thinking. Well, how should I do this? Mm-hmm. How should these paintings look? And focus entirely on what needs to be accomplished. Like this story is amazing. Yeah. And I need to. This painting needs to say this. Yeah. And I'm gonna go until it says it. And then you're done, and this, it'll be your best. This thing, this is what needs to be brought into existence right. for us. Right. This idea needs to be realized. Yeah. I need to make a picture out of it. Yeah. And I'm just going to, I don't care how, I don't care the solution of the technique, or I'm not going to try to make it look like a film, that like, it's not going to be in the style of, right. of whoever. Of, all I'm going to do is just make this picture that needs to be made. <laughs> I love that, man. You know? That's inspiring. So. That's really good. It's just advice to myself is what it is. But I liked that. It was so nice. I mean, I, like I said, I stayed up. My wife was sleeping in bed. I had no idea what time it is, and I just kept reading and reading and going. Um, it's just so valuable to see that in the life of another artist and to see how it eventually... I mean, it is a sad story. Yeah. Super sad story, the way it ends where he wasn't able to hold on to that treasure island moment. It occurred in, like, he had just big dips and moments. The good times, though, when he was focused on telling the story were the times when he was creating the very best he was capable of creating. When he started to focus on how to tell things in himself and all that, he just got into big, low swings. So just a reminder that... uh, to, to try my very best throughout life to stay in that to be in that treasure island zone what we've been talking about I guess yeah so well yeah. thank you for sharing a little bit of your latest thoughts with us today thanks so much for hosting these last couple last two it's days it's been fun it's been a good time I've eaten so well here you guys ah <laughs> uh, Cam is a good cook. She is, that's, yeah, so wonderful. Such a blessing. It's been awesome to get to watch you paint over your shoulder a little bit, a couple paintings. I've learned a lot. Thanks. Thanks. And and so we'll have a handful of Josh's paintings up for the five-year anniversary show. So check those out. And thanks for listening.